Well, that's about half of you, amen. What's wrong with the rest of you? Hallelujah. Y'all, I'm just going to have to come ahead and come on out of this. It's going to be one of those days. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't mind a preacher with short sleeves on, do you? All right. Excited about your message this morning, and I pray that you have come receiving and are expecting to receive uh, something fantastic from God. Um, Today, our Bible verses come on the heels of the story of Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night, get this, searching for truth. Searching for truth. If you don't know the truth that Nicodemus found, I want to begin today by telling you that the truth, simply put, is this. Whoever believes, receives. Say that with me. Whoever believes, receives. However, there's a challenge that comes our way because we need to adequately define what is belief. What is belief? The Lord's half-brother James said, You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? That faith, that belief without works is useless? You see, there are many people who are under the false assumption that one can believe in Jesus Christ, but not do what he instructed us to do. And that's a lie, friends. It is a lie. Therefore, it's important that we see that in God's word, God speaks about the privileges of belief. But it's also equally important to see that he speaks about the tragic consequences of unbelief. Follow with me in your Bibles in John chapter 3 and verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone participating in evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds be exposed. But he who does, say does, he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. One of the greatest yet potentially tragic consequences of being a human being is something we call free will. For instance, a man or woman who ignores the word of God is exercising his or her own free will. It's much like a person who climbs to the top of the stairs of a very tall building, gets up on the roof, and decides that he's going to jump off. 
And as he jumps, for the first several stories on his way down, everything is great. Man, the wind is blowing through his hair. Amen. I mean, he feels free. I mean, uh, there's no restrictions. There's no hang-ups. There's no restraints. There ain't nobody telling him what to do. Man, life is good on the way down. But suppose that about ten stories from the ground, he realizes that a sudden stop awaits him. And he decides he wants to change his mind. Can he reverse the falling process? Can he stop falling? No, he cannot. And so, for those final ten stories, this man begins to re-examine his definition of free will. Unfortunately, it's much too late to realize that he was wrong. This same scenario happens every single day on this planet we live on. Many people live out their own sinful, their own selfish lifestyles, never given a second thought to where they're going to spend eternity. Their tragic motto is, live only for today. I ain't worried about tomorrow. But Jesus Christ has come into the world to provide all people with the opportunity to choose where they will spend eternity. But you have to admit, God asks us to believe something that is humanly impossible. God asks me to believe that Jesus of Nazareth was killed on a cross, buried in a grave, and he expects me to believe that he raised him from the dead three days later. Can't speak for you, but that's a little tough for my human mind to wrap around. Amen? It's a challenge to accept that. Has your faith ever wavered? If you're honest... Have you ever had doubts about God, about Jesus, about the gospel? Friend, have you ever been just a little teensy-weensy bit skeptical about spiritual things? If you have, if you've been like me, I want to tell you that today, if you will hear God's word and just allow the spirit of truth to to permeate your thinking, to permeate your living, then it will absolutely change the course of your eternal life. The truth is, whoever believes receives. But as Pilate said, what is truth? Let us begin by looking at the truth for the cosmos. The truth for the cosmos. Again in verse 17, Jesus said, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you back up to the previous verse in 
John chapter 3, verse 16, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, we first find, and I want you to say it with me, okay, uh, just, just when I point to you. For God did not send his... Uh, back up to 16. For God so loved the world. Now down to, down, down to 17. For God did not send his son into... To condemn, but that through him might be saved. The word world in the original language of the Bible is the word cosmos with a K. It's the same place that we get our word cosmos with a C. Cosmos means all of God's created universe. Cosmos means God's created planet we call Earth. But cosmos specifically speaks to the apple of his eye, the human family. God loves people so much that he made a choice to enter the cosmos that he created so that we, through him, might be saved. But sadly, we human beings are a rebel group Amen? We human beings uh, have gone astray. We've gone our own way. We're going to do what we want to do. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Amen? 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 Uh-huh. In our rebellion, we ignore the character of God. We're a rebel group, and in our rebellion... We ignore the justice of God. We ignore the righteousness of God. And in our sin, we mock the holiness of God. We do and say stuff that would make an inmate blush. Don't we? Don't we? Thank you. I was beginning to feel like I was the only one. By rejecting Jesus Christ... Many people turn their backs on the love of God. So we ignore the character of God, we mock the holiness of God, and we actually reject the love of God. But in these two verses that I've shared with you, we find two classes of people. In the first class of people, we find that they are those who believe in Him. These are folks that have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. These are folks who have peace with God. These are people who uh, have accepted the grace of God and the mercy of God and the glory of God. They are people who believe in Him. But there is a second group of people we find in these verses, and that these are those who have not believed in the only begotten Son of God. And this is the verdict for them. Are you ready? They are condemned where they stand. They are condemned already. If their heart stops beating this moment, they have sealed their fate. If they just finished taking their last breath this moment, they have judged themselves. And are condemned already. If we don't believe. If we don't 
take hold of the lifeline that God has provided for us. We are condemned already. We have no hope whatsoever. That's the truth. That's the truth for the cosmos. You have the choice to believe or you have the choice not to believe. But don't be thinking that there aren't eternal consequences for your choices. Let's look at some of these consequences. First of all, let's look at the consequence of Croesus. Verse 19. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds are exposed. Now, if you look at the original language of the Bible, we find that the word for condemnation is Croesus with a K. And that's the same place that we get our word Crisis with a C. And if you look up crisis in the dictionary, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that a crisis is a crucial and decisive turning point. A crucial and decisive turning point. Today, friend, is a crisis for many people who are sitting in this building. It's a crisis moment, a crucial and decisive turning point. Today could be your last day on this planet. And if you have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ, you will fade into eternity, eternally separated from God. There may be others that are here who have heard of Christ's sacrifice, But they don't care. They reject the Son. They reject the Son of God. And therefore they have chosen to spend eternity in a sinner's hell. They've chosen. Those folks are are like the man who had a disease that just a few injections could cure. The only problem was that man refused to take the shots. And so consequently, he died of his disease. Who does he have to blame? Can he blame God? Can he blame his spouse? Can he blame the doctor? Can he blame the manufacturer of the medicine? No, he cannot. Who does he have to blame? Say it again. Himself. He can only blame himself. He is the one who rejected the remedy. And so in that story, we find the law of truth or consequences. There's two truths and there's two consequences. The first truth is accept the injection and live. Amen. The other is refuse the injection and die. Friend, the same is true of lost sinners. The judgment that a lost sinner reaps by rejecting Jesus Christ, they bring on themselves. Because Christ came to offer eternal life for anyone who would believe. 
But if you reject the Son, then you choose hell. I can't think of anybody in their right mind who would choose hell. Every single human being on this planet needs to hear this truth, y'all. Everybody needs to hear this. Everybody on this planet needs to make this choice because the statistics about death are very impressive. One out of every one dies. That's a pretty good stat right there, amen? One out of every one dies. It reminds me of that defense lawyer who was known for getting criminals off on a, on a light penalty. This defense attorney was, was a big shot with the mafia. And it was his job, basically, to make sure that, that mafia men and women got off scot-free. Well, one morning, this lawyer, this defense attorney, woke up after an operation, and he noticed the curtains were closed. And so he asked the nurse, he said, why are the curtains closed? Is it nighttime already? And the nurse said, no, but there's this huge blazing fire across the street, and we didn't want you to wake up and think that you died on the operating table. <laughs> Friends, there are awful consequences to unbelief. There are awful consequences to dying if you don't believe. There's eternal judgment. But the Bible also says that when you don't believe, people perish. Perish is not a word we use much these days. What does it mean to perish? Had to, I'm a word person, amen. I had to research, what in the world does perish mean? And what I found scared the life out of me. To perish means to die violently while dying gradually. Can you imagine a violent death that lasts for all eternity? That's what perishing means. And there are people perishing every day on this planet because they have not heard the gospel good news that Jesus Christ saves us from sin. And so they die and they perish. But why does the Bible speak so much about hell? Why is it such a primary theme throughout the scriptures that God would, would speak to us about hell dying, dying violently and gradually? Oh, I don't want to hear any of that. Why does he speak so often of it? Because he wants you to be determined to avoid it. He wants you to do whatever you've got to do to avoid dying without Christ. But today's verses, praise God. Today's verses tell us that hell is avoidable. Amen? It is avoidable. Yet so many people come up with excuse after excuse after excuse for not accepting Jesus Christ. Some say, oh man, there's too many hypocrites in the church. I ain't going there. Others will say, you know what? I just can't bring myself to believe those far-fetched miracles that Jesus did. 
I can't bring myself to believe the truth of the gospel that God raised him from the dead. I just can't bring myself to do it. There are others who say all the church talks about is money, 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 money. Others say, oh, the Bible is too narrow-minded. Man, the Bible says uh, that homosexuality is condemned. The Bible says that gay marriage is rejected. The Bible says that abortion is defined as murder. Bible's too narrow-minded. But you know what the Greek word for excuse is? Baloney. Amen? It's baloney, baloney, baloney. All those are just attempts to try to cover up, to try to conceal a heart that's in rebellion to God. And the ultimate reason that people don't come to Christ, this is really theological. Are you ready for this one? The reason they don't come to Christ is because they don't want to. Amen? And the reason they don't want to is because they don't want their sins exposed. They don't want to say, I've been doing wrong. They don't want to say, I've been living wrong. They don't want to say, I've been living in denial. I've been living in unbelief. They don't want to say that. They don't want their sins to be exposed. So friend, I guess what I'm saying is, if you're not willing to be exposed for who you really are apart from Christ, and that is an enemy of God, if you're not willing to be exposed for what you've really done, and that is spit in the face of the Son of God who died for you, you will continue to reject the light. You will continue to reject the light. And what is the consequence for that? Crisis. Condemnation. Dying violently yet dying gradually. But this passage finally mentions consequences for the kingdom of God. In verse 21, Jesus said, But he who does, uh uh-oh, he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Friend, the kingdom of God on earth, the kingdom of God in heaven is filled with people who believe. That Jesus is the Son of God. They believe. They have come to Jesus on His terms. They live lives that reflect whom they love. They live lives who reflect whom they serve. They enjoy the assurance that they have been saved through Him whom God sent. Verse 21 says, or John indicates in that verse that one who does the truth is obviously already a believer because his deeds are done in God. But a few years later, John wrote in 1 John that if we say we have fellowship with him, we say, we say quote, quote, right? We say we have fellowship with Jesus and yet we walk in the darkness. Guess what? Who you are? You lie. (laughs) You lie. And you do not practice the truth. But if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Therefore, coming to the light is more 
than just speaking a confession of faith in Christ. Believing is more than just saying, I believe. Demons do that, right? It's more than just saying that. It's more than just lip service. It involves something that you become. It involves something that you do. It involves a new life that you live. You are a new creation and you live a different way now. A person who comes to the light receives when he believes. But he also openly identifies with the light so that his or her work and her deeds are clearly seen for the glory of God. You see... God's Word tells us that there is definitely a relationship here. There is definitely a relationship between proclaiming faith in Christ and the deeds that follow. If I proclaim faith in Christ and I go out and rob a bank, what are you going to think? That was a lie. Amen? So there's definitely a relationship there. Let us always remember that the life that we live is a very good indicator of what we believe. Y'all get that? The way you live tells me what you believe. Furthermore, the way you live tells me who you follow. But I found it really interesting too. That immediately after Jesus spoke this about the relationship between proclaiming faith and the deeds that are clearly seen by God, the next thing that we read about him doing is baptizing more followers. I said, wow, I don't guess I've ever noticed that before. In verse 22... The Bible says that after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. He baptized. Baptism is a symbol. Amen? It is a symbol that identifies us with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of like my wedding ring. My wedding ring is like baptism. They both symbolize a covenant. My wedding ring symbolizes my, my covenant of marriage with Janet. My symbol of baptism symbolizes my covenant of salvation with Jesus Christ. A wedding ring symbolizes something that's true and intended to last forever. But would you agree that just because I wear this wedding ring... Does it mean I'm married? Any more than getting baptized means that I'm saved? Amen? It's a symbol. It's a symbol. Baptism in and of itself has no saving power. The Bible says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith in Christ Jesus. Baptism is a symbol, but get this. Baptism is a symbol, but it's also a a command. 
It's also a command. Jesus not only submitted to baptism himself, but he called every believer to follow in his footsteps. He said, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, preached, repent and be baptized. Turn away from your wicked ways and identify with the Lord Jesus. Repent and be baptized. You see, when we receive God's saving grace by believing in Jesus, it's no accident that Jesus then calls us to identify with Him. To identify with Him in a way that makes it real to us. And nothing makes it more real to me than baptism. You know, as I was preparing this week, I began to wonder, if, in a group this size, is it possible that people have come to church today and in their heart of hearts they know they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? They've never professed their faith in Christ Jesus and maybe their deeds and their actions and the works that they do They don't look anything like Jesus Christ. So to a watching world, uh, you know, what they do and who they follow looks very worldly. Today's decision time is for you, by the way. And you can accept and believe and place your trust in Jesus. The only means to escape the crisis, the condemnation. But then I said, you know what? There's probably a whole lot of people, maybe who were born again as young people, came to Christ at another time in their life, but they never, they were never baptized. And I'm not make, trying to make this a source of, of discomfort for you or a, a, a source of uh, embarrassment for you, because maybe you just didn't understand. Maybe you didn't realize how important baptism was to you. Maybe you didn't realize that that God God really wants you to identify with Him in a way that makes it real to you. And so this decision time is also for you. We're not going to be baptizing today. But if the Lord has placed it on your heart to openly identify with Him in, in the form of baptism... I would say that at least three-quarters of the congregation here this morning have done that. Most all Christians have been baptized. So it's nothing to be scared of. It's nothing to be ashamed of. But it's a blessing for you. And it'll be a blessing for somebody else too. So during this decision time when we're singing, if the Lord is leading you to come to Jesus Avoid the condemnation. Avoid perishing, dying violently, but gradually. Then you come this morning. And if you're a believer and you know you're a believer, you're living like a believer, but maybe you, you, you skip that baptism part. This is an open invitation for you too. Just to say, you know what? I want to do that. I want to openly identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll set a time in the future for you to do that where you might can invite some family if you choose. But what a blessing.
What a blessing it will be. We also extend this invitation for prayer, for time at the altar, for membership in in this body of Christ, whatever the case is. This is an opportunity to respond to what Jesus is saying to you. So let me pray for you.